Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 504. Today, we're going to talk about Perfect Day at Coco Key, sharing the best tips and tricks to maximize your day. Here we go. So Perfect Day Coco Key is now such an integral part of almost any Caribbean cruise that you're going to take with Royal Caribbean. You know, I remember when Perfect Day Coco Key opened, there were only about, you know, a handful of ships that actually went there on any given voyage, but Royal Caribbean has been sending more and more ships there, and that's also because of, quite frankly, demand for it. I mean, it's just such a home run with guests, and obviously it makes money for the company, so it's win-win all around, but Today, I thought it might be fun to talk about some tips and tricks to maximize your day at Perfect Day. There's so many things you can do at Perfect Day at Cuckoo Key. You might be wondering, well, how do I get the most out of it? How do I really get the best value for your dollar when you go there? And there's a lot of ways to do that. And I kind of want to break this down into a couple different categories. We'll kind of walk around this. I mean, I could probably spend, you know, a couple hours talking about every nuance and every way to do it. I wanted to give kind of a general overview. If you've got a visit to Perfect Day Cuckoo Key coming up, how to really maximize it, how to really take advantage of what your day is going to encompass. And remember, this is a private island experience, meaning there is no cost for you to get off the ship and walk around. Your ship will dock at Cuckoo Key. There's no tenders. And when you get there, it's your choice what to do. I want to be very clear. This is something a lot of new cruisers struggle with. There's no inherent cost to go to Perfect Day. It's, it's Royal Caribbean's private island. You can walk around the island. There's no cost. There's no shore excursion you need to book. There are, of course, things that do cost extra. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But you could simply walk off the ship, go to a beach or a pool, and hang out and not spend a dollar. And there's food included as well, but we'll get to that in a minute. But I want to make sure that's very clear off the bat. So let's talk about what should you bring with you off the ship. Great question, because... Depending on what you're doing, of course, this answer may change, but I'm going to give you the most generic stuff. Number one, you want to bring towels with you. There are towel exchanges on the island, a couple different stations around, but you definitely want to bring towels with you. It's a good idea to grab them the night before. There is usually, almost always, a towel station near the gangway when you walk off the ship. That's actually one of my preferred ways to go because inevitably it just seems like I never remember when I'm on the pool deck to grab towels or it's just inconvenient. Anyway... Bring towels with you. That is probably one of the most important things. Number two, sunscreen. I mean, I think that goes almost without saying, but there are some people out there who maybe forget about that, and then they end up with, you know, of course, that lobster red look for the rest of the cruise. Don't be that person. Definitely bring sunscreen with you. I think it's also really good idea to bring sunglasses, a hat, basically any protection from the sun. It gets very, very warm and very, very bright at perfect day when you walk off that ship. Because, of course, you know, it's in the Bahamas and most of the year it's going to be pretty darn warm. Even in the winter months, if you're there in December or January, number one, a lot of people always wonder, is it still warm enough to swim? Yes, absolutely. The Oasis Lagoon pool might be chilly and might is probably, yes, it will be chilly. But the ocean itself usually is pretty warm and remains warm for most of the year. So uh, don't worry too much about the temperatures outside in the air. It's really the ocean temperatures that can be quite comfortable when you're going swimming out there. You also want to bring your sea pass card. I mean, it, it almost goes without saying, but when you walk off your ship, sea pass card. Do you need to bring cash? There's only two reasons you would need to bring cash with you at Perfect Day. One is if you are looking to go to the artisan market. There is an artisan market, although last I checked, I think they actually take sea pass cards now. So 
maybe that's almost moot at this point, but that might be a good reason to do it. But the other reason to bring cash is if you're tipping anybody. Uh, if you have a cabana or you're going to the beach club or some other add-on that you might want to tip somebody, uh, that would be the only other reason to bring cash with you. In fact, there's a lot of times in which I forget about this because it's it's a private island. I think oh, I don't need to bring cash with me. You know, there's no taxes or anything. But um, it actually can come in handy. So it might not be a bad idea to bring some cash with you. So that way you have a little bit to you know walk off the ship with. You don't need credit cards. You don't need an ID to get off the ship or back on the ship for that matter at Perfect Day. It's pretty easy to make all that work there. And that's basically it. I mean, beyond that, people bring books and, you know, all sorts of paraphernalia, but you don't need to bring anything else beyond. That's really the basic stuff um, off the bat. Now let's talk about some things you can book before your cruise to enjoy, or at least before your visit to Perfect Day Cookie. And there's a lot of upgrades and upcharges that you can indulge in if you so choose. As I mentioned, Perfect Day costs nothing extra in order to enjoy your day there. You can simply walk around. There's a number of beaches, the Oasis Lagoon Pool, totally included with your cost. There are optional add-ons. There's the water park through a water park. There is the Cocoa Beach Club. There are cabanas. There are beach beds. There's jet skiing. There's a zip line. There's the up, up, and away helium balloon ride. And there's a couple other add-on experiences as well. Depending on what you want to do, that may be of interest to you. Number one, definitely pre-book. Like, book it now. These things do sell out. You'd be surprised how quickly... Even the high-ticket items like cabanas sell out, and the cabana price has been going up a lot over the years, and yet it still sells out. There's a lot of people who definitely embrace the YOLO book it mentality of just like, hey, I'm on vacation, you know, it is what it is, I want to have a good time, and they, they do that. I think also sometimes maybe some people also, again, going back to something I talked about earlier in this episode, I think some people maybe struggle with the idea that you have to buy something. Like, they look at it. They look at Perfect Day like they look at Cozumel or Nassau like, oh, I need to buy something in order to do something here. That is not the case. All the add-ons that you can purchase you are, are enhancements, ways to do things a little bit different and plus up your day. But let me be very clear. You can absolutely spend nothing at Perfect Day and have a great day there. This is really, I think, the beauty of this island is that Royal Caribbean has really designed it to be able to have plenty to do. There's a number of beaches. There's food included. There's a number of complimentary restaurants on the island. I mean, again, you don't have to spend a dime if you don't want to. But if the idea of a cabana or the Cocoa Beach Club or the water park is of interest to you, then... You know, that's obviously something you want to book, and you want to book it beforehand via the cruise planner website. Oftentimes people ask me, well, is it worth it, Matt? Should I spend the money on it, right? And, of course, worth it is a relative term. For some people, you know, spending $1,000 on a cabana for the day is way too much. For some people, they may say, well, no, that's actually a really good value, considering that we have a reserved space, we get food delivered to our cabana and drink service, and we have uh, a little enclave for our family with shade. That's worth it to me. Other people might disagree with that. It kind of goes both ways. Ultimately, no matter what you're talking about, um, it's really just a choice that you want to make because you just value it personally. Like, what I mean by that is, I don't know that any of these add-ons are slam dunks. Like, let's put it this way. If, like, the cabana's like $100, right? I would say, everybody listening, book a cabana because it's so worth $100, right? But the reality is the price is much higher than that. So it's definitely in that, I think, echelon of pricey, but if you can afford it, it's a nice way to spend your day. The water park is something else that a lot of people always want to know about, especially is it worth it? Is it 
something to consider? Um, is the cost worthwhile, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I would simply say that the water park prices have been going up as well. You will encounter lines at the water park, especially after about 10 a.m. all the way up until about 3 or 4 o'clock, depending on when your ship leaves. Um, there can be lines, certainly. And it's not going to be an uncrowded experience, but I have enjoyed it. If you've never been to the water park before, I do actually think it's worthwhile. I think it's fun. Kids love it. Um, th they have a number of slides. The wave pool is vastly underrated, and it's a really cool experience. So, you know, it's not cheap, but none of this other these other add-ons are either. So go for it. The one thing I would say that's not worth getting or not worth pre-purchasing is the Up Up and Away Helium Balloon. I only say that because not because the balloon ride is bad, because the weather conditions have to be so optimal that more often than not, it ends up not being available. So I kind of feel like your best bet is to not pre-book it. And if you get on the island and you see the balloon is up in the air, just walk over there and say, hey, can I get on the balloon? Because there's a good chance maybe they'll still have availability on it. But if they don't, you're not missing out too much when it comes to all that. Now, in terms of water slides, I want to talk a little more about the water park. Because the water park does cost extra. But there is actually a free, I don't want to call it a water park, but free aquatic experience that you can do. If your kids are younger, if you have kids under the age of 10, there is Splashaway Bay available and Captain Jill's Galleon. Both of these are complimentary aqua park, uh, let's call it that. Um, there, there's slides, there's geysers, there's drench buckets. This costs nothing extra. Again, if your kids are under the age of 10, this is actually a great way to spend your day because it's totally free to go here. And I think you get some pretty good value out of going there considering that's totally included. The reason to purchase the water park admission is to, well, you have either older kids or, and or you want more than just what Splashway Bay has to offer. Splashway Bay has some really cool things to do there uh, and, and it certainly holds my kids' attention. Uh, certainly my, my youngest daughter still finds it interesting and fun enough to spend her time there. You know, but obviously, if you have older kids, if there are adults involved, the water park is really a thing to do. But don't overlook Splashaway Bay, especially if you have younger kids, because it's really um, you know worthwhile. Now, let's talk about food for a little bit, because there is a an incredible, I think, amount of food included with your day here. You know, it was years ago the food at Perfect Day mirrored what it's like at Labadee, which was terrible. I mean, that's terrible. I shouldn't say that. It's just nothing special: burgers, hot dogs, and the like. Well, anyway, since then. Coco Key has really elevated its its food game. And now you've got Chill Grill, Skipper's Grill, and the Snack Shack. And these are all included. And the Snack Shack is my favorite place to go because the Snack Shack has the chicken, the crispy chicken sandwich. And if you ask for the secret sandwich, which is not on the menu, they basically take mozzarella sticks, put some marinara sauce on there on top of the chicken sandwich, and you've got, that's right, a poor man's uh, chicken parmesan sandwich, which is really, really good. I like that quite a bit. I'm also really fond of of the make your own taco station at chill grill and then not because i actually don't make tacos i just make a bowl like a chipotle style and just load it up with all the stuff that i like and it's really nice to be able to go there so the food is included i would definitely advise you to try the food on the island it's very good uh and the fact that it's free is really nice the only thing that costs extra for food there's two places that cost extra one is captain jack's uh they have like wings and fries I guess if you're just dying for wings or fries, I, there are fries available for free at Snack Shack, by the way. But if you're really just, man, I want some wings, well, then Captain Jack's. I don't think I've ever ordered from them. Maybe once, but I, I don't think it's worth your time. Um, the Cocoa Beach Club, we can talk about that 
Coco Beach Club uh, is an, an extra cost experience. Basically, the appeal of the Coco Beach Club is it's a section of Coco Key that has a limited capacity. It's right around 200 or so people for day passes and about another 200 or so for, with the cabanas that are there. And the idea is that it is a, well, first of all, it's a reserved area, so it's not going to get totally crowded. Second, it's an elevated experience, meaning you get a little bit better service there. Also, you have a the Coco Beach Club restaurant, which is really good. The food served there, which is included with your admission into the Coco Beach Club, I would say rivals any specialty restaurant on Royal Caribbean. I think it's I think the steak is better than the than Chops Grill. I think it's the best steak I've had anywhere on Royal Caribbean on land or at sea. It's very very good. They have a lobster, which is fantastic. Uh, I mean, the whole thing from start to finish, their food is amazing. And, um, of course, you have, there's the infinity pool, there's the beach. The Coco Beach Club, you know, when they first opened, I thought it was worth it every single time. The prices, like a lot of many other things in life, have gone up quite a bit. And now, depending on when you go there, you're probably looking at an admission price somewhere between $150 and $200 per person for the day. That's a lot of money. I mean, two people, you're talking about three, dollars $400. Uh, <laughs> You know, this is this is one of those situations where I have to, like, think about Matt being, well, spoiled and having gone many, many times versus somebody who's never been before. Is it worthwhile? I think, first and foremost, if you value an elevated experience, if you're the type of person who usually books first-class uh, airfare, if you're the person who books or purchases box seats at a sporting event, if you're the person who gets regular seats at a concert instead of the lawn seats, if you're the person who, you know, gets a, I don't know, gets a, I'm trying to think of something like at a theme park that would be equivalent, um, you know, you spend top dollar to get front of the line access. If you're that person, then yes, the Coco Beach Club is definitely going to be worthwhile to you. But if you're okay with, I mean, everybody would like those things, but if you're not necessarily that person, you don't need to go there. Um, it's just because, of, again, because of the price. You know, certainly if it's, let's say, on the bottom end of the scale, 150 a person, bring your family of four. Kids are allowed in here, by the way. It would be, you know, we're talking, what, $600, right? Uh, $300 for two, yeah, $600. That's a lot of money, like a lot of money. And I think that it's, quite frankly, I don't say it's not worth it, but I, again, I just, yeah, I, I, I just don't know how I feel about it, that it's worthwhile at that cost. Anyway, my point is it's an elevated experience, something there to consider, and it will sell out, so definitely pre-book you want to do so. So what's free at Coco Key? We kind of talked a little bit about it, but South Beach, Chill Island, Oasis Lagoon, all included with your cruise fare. No additional charge. Really, the only areas that require admission are through Water Park, Coco Beach Club, um, now there is something coming up and we'll talk more about this on the podcast in 2024, but there is a hideaway beach club opening up, which is going to be the new adults only area. And from what we're told, it is going to be complimentary. So something to keep an eye on, but that doesn't open until at least I'm thinking January if we're lucky late December 23, but I'm not sure about that. So something to keep in mind over there. Um, now, how do you find your way around the island? This is a really good question because if you've never been there before, it can be a little daunting to navigate. So when you walk off the pier, you went, you basically you come into this entrance area and you have all sorts of choices. You can go left, straight ahead, to the right, sort of the right, sort of the left, lots of different beaches. I think it's a really good idea. Number one, 
to look at the map beforehand. Number two, we have actually a walkthrough video of Perfect AI Cookie on our YouTube channel, which is Royal Caribbean Blog on YouTube. Um, yes, this is a self-serving tip, but I really believe it benefits you to have uh, watch the video to get a lay of the land, so to speak, and get an idea of what you want to do. My best advice is when you get on the island, have a plan, like at least somewhere to start with. Like you're going to go to Chill Island first. You're going to go to South Beach first, right? And if you didn't purchase something like a cabana or the beach club, don't feel compelled to be in one place for the whole day. Like if you start off your day at Chill Island, you can totally pick up your stuff and go somewhere else in the afternoon to check something else out. Harbor Beach, Breezy Bay, Oasis Lagoon. There's a lot of good reasons to check out different places. If you're into, uh, if you want more of a party vibe, definitely Oasis Lagoon or South Beach is where you want to go. If you want a quiet day, Chill Island. If you have kids that want to go in the ocean but they're not strong swimmers, Harbor Beach is really good and vastly underrated. Um, I think along those lines as well, um, when if you're purchasing any, if you purchase the beach club, if you purchase a cabana or a beach bed, I would not advise you, number one, to book multiple things. That's a mistake. Some people book, oh, I'm going to book the beach club and the water park. You're not going to get your money's worth out of either one. That's just, you're, you're, you're splitting your forces too thinly there. Pick one, stick to it. So if you book the cabana, spend your day at the cabana over there. Um, where should you book your cabana? You know, there's multiple cabanas at beach club, at Oasis Lagoon, South Beach, Chill Island. Really what you want to do is look at the map, look at our YouTube video for where to go, and then kind of decide, you know what, this area looks more interesting to me, so let's book a cabana over there. So if you're interested in the ocean, you know, Chill Island, South Beach, Oasis Lagoon, whichever is more interesting to you, definitely pick the cabana that's over there. Um, in terms of Oasis Lagoon, I guess I don't want to call this a warning because it's not necessarily a bad thing, but they, they have DJs that perform uh, there in the day, and it gets very loud. And by afternoon, the Oasis Lagoon, especially near the bar area, will resemble... I, I guess I'll call it a spring break party. Um, there's a lot of people who are dancing. The music is loud. Um, it, 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 it's boisterous, certainly. So if you're looking for a very chill experience, that's not the place for you. If you've got kids who just don't want to be around that, that might not be a place for you. The good news is the, the either ends of Oasis Lagoon, it's a very large pool, are pretty quiet and tame. There's not much of a party vibe over there, so you can still enjoy the pool without being in the middle of the oops, oops, oops kind of party. But something to keep in mind uh, for that, certainly. Um, but beyond that, I think that's pretty much, you know, the, the basic lay of the land. You know, it, I would say, number one, get off the ship as early as you can. Um, a lot of people sleep in, and it's like you're, you know, th there's plenty of seats around the island, like beach chairs and umbrellas. You may have to walk to find them. It may not be the first one you find. But it's definitely to your advantage to get off the ship as early as you can to get optimal places, like, you know, a beach umbrella that's nearby. And, of course, the chairs... The umbrellas, those are totally free, no additional cost to enjoy that. But I do think it's your advantage to get off the island and kind of get off the ship onto the island, rather, and be able to explore and find your spot and get, get your day started. Especially if you're booking anything that costs extra, like a cabana or the beach club, my goodness, I mean, get your money's worth out of it. Get there early. The water park, you need to get off the ship early. Again, by 10 o'clock, the lines for the most popular water slides are going to start coming really long. So if you can get off the ship as early as possible and get you know to the water park ASAP, you can really knock out all the big slides 
very quickly and then spend the rest of your day when the lines are long enjoying some of the smaller slides enjoying the wave pool taking a nap uh mix of all those so something to keep in mind uh with, with all that i didn't mention this but it's a good tip people may not know this your drink package and your internet package both work at perfect day at coco key so there is nothing uh extra to use that so definitely important to keep that in mind one other thing i didn't talk about this and i guess this would be our last tip here um, again, if you're new to the island, a really good idea is take the free trams. There's tram service that will take you around Perfect Day at Coco Key. This is not only good just to see it if you have mobility issues. This is great as well. But if you've never been or you're not sure, you know, you watch the YouTube video, but you still want to get your own sense of it, hop on. They're hop on, hop off. Hop on the uh, trams that go around the island and just get a look at where everything is. It's a really good idea, especially maybe if you're taking my tip earlier, like you start off wherever you start off, right? Chill Island. And then hop on the tram, see where it takes you. And if there's something that looks interesting, hop off there and, you know, go over there. Um, it can be really fun to kind of explore the island that way. And considering how warm it gets, and I say warm, I mean hot and humid, it's really advantageous to use the tram because it's just a lot, it'll, it, you won't be as quite as overheated just walking from point A to point B. So definitely the way to go there. So hopefully this helps you out in terms of your experience and how to maximize your day at Perfect Day at Coco Key. All right, friends, time to answer your listener emails. This is a part of the episode where I answer emails that you've sent me about Royal Caribbean. You can always email me, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. First email is from Edvira. Heading on an Alaska cruise, our adult daughter is also coming with us on the same cruise in a different cabin. When getting the internet package, am I allowed to get a package for three devices and have my daughter's iPad as one of the three devices, even if she's not in the same room as us? And the answer is yes. Um, unlike the drink package, you can share the internet package as you see fit. Does not matter uh, who's in what room or anything like that. Uh, totally fine and a really good way to save some money. So yeah, totally fine on that. Eugene Pierce is our next email. He's from Eugene's from St. Louis, Missouri. Matt, thanks for all the brilliant work. I have a question about the main dining room menu. We booked a three-night dining package, and I want to make reservations as soon as we board the ship. Eating escargot in the main dining room is a priority for us. I want to make sure we plan our specialty dining around those evenings. Does the main dining room randomly rotate the new menus, or is it the same schedule for all seven-night cruises? If it is, I can try to seek out past cruise compasses, but if it isn't, will they be posted when we board and plan our dining reservations? Or even better, can we order escargot even if it's on the evening's menu? Appreciate everything you and your team do every day to make cruising with the Royal Caribbean so much easier and more enjoyable. Thanks. Eugene, thanks for the email. So the answer is, uh, I, I don't know that there's necessarily a set schedule, and depending on the ship, who knows. Your best bet, Eugene, is about, I don't know exactly when, but in the, cruise, in the Royal Caribbean app, you should be able to see the menu uh, order. It won't show you the, I don't know if it shows the whole menu, but it definitely shows you the order. You know, it's going to be French night, Caribbean night, whatever, um, in the app. And that way you can plan around it as best you can. You cannot not request escargot when it's not on the menu, but it's on there quite a bit, actually, in the grand, especially on a seven night cruise. So check the Royal Caribbean app about a week or two before your cruise, and you should be able to see it. Uh, certainly once on board the ship, yeah. But the app, the only issue with the app is, while well, I'm giving you this tip, check the app the problem with the app is it can be sometimes be not exactly 100 percent accurate but yeah i don't know uh anyway next email is from chris charles from st augustine florida hi matt um uh, we met two awesome sommeliers in vintages on liberty back in fall of 2018 is there a way to find out where they are now sing and rocco are their names thanks for all you do to keep us informed 
Chris, I don't think so. Um, Royal Caribbean does not provide any sort of mechanism or means to verify which crew member is on which ship. Um, it's just, I'm, don't, I'm, <laughs> there's probably a lot of reasons why. Number one, like privacy. Number two, like, I mean, crew members and it just their contracts change all the time. It would be a, a mess to try to keep it all together. So no, best you could do is ask other cruisers, you know, like on a message board, like, hey, has anybody seen this person? But unfortunately not. Next email is from Jody. Hey, Matt, we're looking at a, doing a back-to-back -back cruise, three-night, then a four-night on Serenade of the Seas in September. After the three-night cruise, we'll reach diamond status. My question is, because it usually takes a while for Crown and Anchor points to show up, would we be able to get diamond benefits on the four-night cruise? You can, Judy. Jody. Sorry, Jody. I don't know if I called you Judy this whole time. Jody. The answer to your question is yes. You can actually just talk to the loyalty ambassador. So on your first cruise, on the um, three-night cruise, go to the loyalty ambassador, cruise number one, and say, hey, we're coming back on cruise number on the next sailing, but we're going to be turning diamond on this sailing. Can we get our benefits? And they'll be able to hook you up with that. No problem at all. Usually the, the loyalty ambassador on Serenade, I think, is on deck 11 in the Centrum. Ask guest services if you can't find them, but uh, I believe that's where they're located on the Radiance-class ships. Uh, next email is from Bill. Great shows on YouTube and the content on the site and the insight to use a travel agent. I used MEI Travel for the first time, and they got me a great rate on a group cruise for a weekend sailing. I used to just book it myself in the past. Being an Emerald member, will use them in the future for sure. Two questions. When do they normally assign the guaranteed cabins? Should I reach out to my agent at MEI to see if they can get an assignment, or do I just wait? First time doing a guarantee. The answer is your MEI agent can't help you with that. It's just whenever they assign it, they assign it. Um, it really just depends, Bill. There isn't like a, a set like, oh, this many days before the cruise, they'll assign it, or at least this many days. It can go all the way up till the day of your sailing. Probably won't, but you just got to keep checking back, and magically one day, Bill, it'll be there. Number two, Bill wants to know, do they still offer an open booking where you put down a deposit and you get all the onboard credit and you can book a future sailing? Uh, they do, but the amount of onboard credit has been neutered. Uh, back in the day, this was my favorite trick. So you could, you know, when you, went to, when you went to Next Cruise, you could either book a specific sailing or do an open booking, but the amount of onboard credit was exactly the same, which was great. I used to do this all the time. I loved it. Well, Royal Caribbean, I guess, didn't love it as much. They still offer it. But the amount of onboard credit is significantly less for an open booking to the point that I'd say you're better off picking a cruise that you might want and then changing the sale date, provided you do refundable cruise fare, of course, um, because if you do not refundable, you'll incur a change fee. Anyway, you know, changing it later on to something you, you definitely want to know. Um, you can still do it. I mean, listen, something is better than nothing. But when you look at the amount of onboard credit you get for an open booking versus a specific booking, you're going to realize, oh, it's almost, it's not, it's like almost not worth it. Like, you know, you might as well just pick up specific sailing. So definitely better to come in with a specific sailing in mind. So that way you can take advantage of that. Uh, our next email is coming from Bob Noxious. Love the name. While on a shore excursion in the Caribbean, say Nassau or St. Martin, do you bring your passwords with you when you go on the islands or do you only bring your sea pass card? I'm never late back to the ship, but I'm nervous that if I ever did miss the ship, that I would not have a passport to get out of the country. What do you, Mr. Matt, pack in your backpack when visiting the islands in the Caribbean? Great question. I bring my passport every single time. The only time I don't bring my passport, Bob, is at Labadier Perfect Day. In short, there's no way you're getting left behind over there. But for other places, uh, whether it's Mexico, whether it is the Bahamas, whether it's a Martin, Norway, absolutely always bring your passport with you. Um, 
what if you get stuck there? I mean, it's it's extremely unlikely, right? But if it does happen, it's just, you know, you really don't want to get stuck there. Um, and no, a photocopy of a passport doesn't do anything. You, it's just, yeah, bring your passport with you. Yeah, I, and there's people saying, well, Matt, what if I lose it? There's liability. What if it gets stolen, right? There's liability with everything. What if, they, what if you lose your wallet? What if you lose your kid, your cell phone? I mean, there is liability in everything. I get it. There's risk in life. This is true of the passports as well. But I think the reason to bring it is still important enough that I always bring it when when I go on my shore excursions off the ship. Again, not Kokoki or Labadee. I think there's no point in that. But anywhere else, all the time. And our last email is from Harold. Hi, Matt. Long-time listener. I was on a four-mile walk the other day and went to look for a podcast on Oasis of the Seas. And my wife and I will have an upcoming cruise on Oasis. I did not realize at the time, but I clicked on episode three. What I found so interesting about listening to the podcast was how well the Oasis class ships have aged. It's hard to believe. Now, 20 years after the, deb the debut of Oasis, it is still one of the most innovative and captivating ships uh, or class of ships in cruising. The idea of the neighborhoods, balcony cabins with not only the typical ocean view, but also views of the boardwalk and park, multiple restaurants, options, intuitive touchscreens throughout the ship, not only give you the daily update, but will give you help you navigate the ship, as well as a host of entertainment and venues is still, this day, one of the most forward-thinking, innovative designs in cruising. What Royal Caribbean has learned from the Oasis has not only helped secure their place as one of the most innovative and interesting lines in cruising. Love your podcast. Keep up the great work. Listening to this old podcast has helped increase my interest in Royal Caribbean. Harold, you hit the nail on the head, my friend. I mean, that is, in a nutshell, uh, or a, a microcosm, really, of why Royal Caribbean is truly the market leader. It's the reason why I... I was attracted to Royal Caribbean in the first place. I mean, they are a market leader. And listen, I'm a fanboy, so, you know, you can take that for what it's worth. But what Harold just described is exactly the case. I mean, listen, I'm not here to throw rocks, but uh, what was 20 years? I'm trying to think of a ship class 20 years ago from like Carnival or Norwegian. They're not the they're not the best ships in their respective fleets, let alone in the industry. Whereas the Oasis class is still absolutely the the high water mark i think it's definitely the barometer that other cruise ships are judged against so that is an excellent excellent point harold and you know not to say that you can't have a good time on other clients ships out there far from it but at the end of the day the 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 forward thinking back then is what defined the oasis class and i think to some extent looking forward to the icon class i think royal caribbean has very similar plans. I think they very much are looking at the Icon class as that next evolution. In the same way the Voyager class used to be that case before the Oasis class came out. So it's a very good observation there, Harold. Thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Of course, if I can answer your emails, you can always email them to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.